today God wants to strengthen your heart. And he wants to do that by giving you a good dose of his joy. You know, it says in Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's a well-known, we, you know, a lot of people, we know that verse. You, at least you know the words. You may not know where it was. but it's, it, Now you do. It's Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. And it says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so he is going to impart some joy to you today. He's going to strengthen your heart today. I want to leave time for us to be able to pray for one another and let the Lord minister to us. So I want to go through some things pretty quickly here uh, regarding this. I think there's two contexts that the Lord put on my heart in which we need this download of joy. One is unfulfilled dreams. So maybe you're here this morning and you feel like there's some things that you've had in your heart, things that you've seen, or maybe a word that you've gotten from the Lord, and you, you've yet to see the fruition. You've yet to see that thing come to pass. And that's been a source of, of um, some anxiety or discouragement. And you've, you need the joy of the Lord to come back again to your heart. Um, I just, in that, in, that, in that whole scenario of unfulfilled dreams, I think about uh, John the Baptist. After he, if you remember the story, he prophesied to King Herod and said, you know, he told him, you're, you're living with your brother's wife, and that's wrong. Well, the king took him, King Herod took him and put him in jail. While John the Baptist was in jail, even after he had already baptized Jesus and he had declared him to be the Lamb of God, okay? So he knew his cousin, right? His cousin, who, that he was the Son of God. He knew that. And yet, in the ensuing time that went by, in the ministry that he went through, and, in, and then and subsequently then in his imprisonment, he forgot or he began to doubt, I should say. He began to doubt, and he sent some of his disciples to Jesus to say, Are you the one? Are you really the one? Do you remember Jesus' response? He said, actually, he didn't say a word at first, but what he did was heal a few people. And then he said, Go and tell John what you saw. The lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, the poor have the good news preached to them because guys this is what in reality this is what happens sometimes we can be like John the Baptist we're in prison and don't you know that John knew the word out of Isaiah 61 that he comes to set the captives free he comes to open prison doors that was what Jesus read about himself when he kicked off his ministry don't you know that John knew that and he was wondering well here I'm in prison why ain't the doors opening Right? You're the one that's anointed to open the prison doors. Why aren't you here? Jesus' response was, go tell him what you've seen. Blessed is he, Jesus continued, who does not take offense in me. The point is this. We need to be looking at what God is doing. That needs to be our focus, not what he's not doing. And so we, we need to be saying, okay, God, this is what you're doing. And yet sometimes in our lives, our focus is on, God, where are you? What, you know, why, aren't you why haven't you done this? 
And our focus is in the wrong place. And when we have that focus in the wrong place, discouragement comes in, doubt comes in. And we don't know, is he going to fulfill the word? Is he going to do what he said he would do? The other context that, that uh, I want to I share, we're talking about the joy of the Lord being our strength. And the other context is this, and that is in building something. What we're doing, by the way, if you haven't still been over to the building there at 302 East Central, you need to come by and, and it'll shock you. Um, the, the, it does me when I walk in. It's like, wow, what have I gotten myself into? But just the walls that have come down, all the, you know, we're, we're, we're working hard on it. And we're making some really great headway. The reason I really would love for you to come by, and honestly, there's, there's not a guilt trip for whether you can work or not. I would rather you just come by so you can see. There's something about seeing that brings vision to it. If you can just see what we're doing and what God has called us to do, I think it, it'll spur something inside of your heart. But there's been several of us who have, have, have voiced the prophetic significance of what we're doing in our building over there. <clears throat> and a lot of that, and probably at least half of the building, well, no, more than that, more than half of the building, we're taking it down to the foundation. I mean, Dylan and I, even this last week, we rented a concrete grinder and we're trying to basically scrape the glue from the, Car, you know the carpet glue off of the floor and we're taking down walls and we're going to be putting up some new walls in this building the prophetic significance of that is you may feel like God is scraping you to the foundation you may feel like that he's reconfiguring things in your life that things your life may feel like it's out of control there's things happening that I don't understand and that's not a bad place to be because you're in the hands of one who is in control and who does understand, who does know what's going on. I think one of the greatest ways that God is reconfiguring our lives is he's changing the way we think. He's shifting our paradigm of things. There's big changes going on, guys. Let me just chase a little bunny down the trail for a minute. And, and here's one big thing that's happening, and that is how we view church. Every, all, every denomination in America is in decline. Something has to change. Something has to shift. The way we see church, the way we do church, something's got to... I, I believe in the, in the local church. I have a high view of the local church. I believe that the local church is God's vehicle in the earth, that He wants to use us... We are the church. We are the living stones. And he wants to use us to move in the world, to, to advance his kingdom in the world. But something's got to change. And to tell you the truth, I'm not really sure exactly what it is. I've got a little whiff of something that I think he's up to. But there's got to be some significant things in the way. Otherwise, guys, the United States of America, we are going to hell in a handbasket. We've got to see a move of God, and it's got to happen through you and me. So there's got to be some reconfiguring of the, th of the ways we think and the way we do things in our lives. Because what we're doing ain't working. And so he's up to something. God is up to something. He's, he's wanting to shift things. That's why sometimes he's got to start over. He's got to rake the foundation off and rebuild some things in our lives. That's what he's doing. The process, though, in the process, we need joy. 
Because just physically, I'm not, I'm, I'm not in this hard manual labor shape. <laughs> and so I've been worn out. You know, at the end of the day, it's good. It's been therapeutic. It's been cathartic. But I've had about all the therapy I want, you know. So, <laughs> but it's been, no, guys, listen, it's been good. It, it has been. God is doing something, but in the process of Him doing things in our lives, we need His strength. We need His joy. That's what sustains us and keeps us going, is the joy of the Lord. And by the way, notice that it says the joy of the Lord. It's the joy that He possesses. Right? It's not just something that comes from our circumstances, though I think that could be part of it, but it's the joy that He possesses that we get. It's His joy that is our strength. You know, it says in Galatians 6, 9, And let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. And that word weary does mean to be weak or to, by implication of that, to fail in our heart. And if you're here this morning, you feel like you're, you know, it's like, my heart feels weak. I just feel like giving up. Again, I want to reiterate that in a few minutes when we pray, there's going to be a download of joy for you, the strength of God. If you've got your Bible, we want to turn over to Nehemiah. We're going to look at Nehemiah because they were building something as well. Let me tell a little bit of the backstory to remind you. There's two books in the Bible in particular that deal with the reconstruction of the temple and of the, the city of Jerusalem. So because the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah, if you remember the kingdoms divided right after Solomon. There was the northern kingdom of Israel and there was the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom of Israel, of Israel had some years before had been taken off because of their apostasy, because of their idolatry, because they had left God and began to worship other idols. They were taken away into captivity. Judah remained for a while longer, but they too fell into apostasy. They too walked away from God and were worshiping other idols. And so the result of that and what God had promised, you can read, look back in, in uh, Deuteronomy, what God had promised, if that happens, I'm going to allow your enemies to come in and take you and take you away. And so that's exactly what happened. The, the nation of Babylon uh, uh, was raised up. Nebuchadnezzar was the king and they came in and they captured Judah. And they took away most of the people. That was what they would do. That's what a conquering kingdom would do. So that basically in that they're, in cult they're trying to enculturate them. They're trying to get them into their system. So they took the Jewish people, most of them away. They left a few. But in that they pulled down the walls of the city. And they destroyed the temple. And so... After 70 years, Jeremiah had prophesied that in 70 years, the, the captives would begin to come back to rebuild. And so Ezra is one. He was a priest and a scribe. And he came back and he began to rebuild the temple in particular. And then Nehemiah came back. and He became a, a governor. Still for the, by now, it was the kingdom of Persia. And he still was under that authority of the king of Persia. But he came back with that king's blessing to reestablish the city of Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple. Okay, so that's where we are in this story. 
now when they came back and they began to rebuild it didn't set well with some of the people that were there and there and if you read in those two books and I encourage you to do that you can read those stories if you read in their two books they name several guys that were against against them two in particular were Sanballat and another guy named Tobiah and they were angry I'm sure there was some spiritual warfare that was going on as well but they were angry that the people were reestablishing the nation of Israel and rebuilding the city and the temple all right and so what I want to look at here as we read this is as we are building things and as God is doing things in our lives what are the sources what are the things that rob us of joy okay what I want to look at that first and then we're going to look at things that give us joy but let's look at Nehemiah chapter 4 together, and we're going to read. Um, well, we're going to start there in Nehemiah chapter 4. Now, it came about when Sanballat, one of the bad guys, heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and very angry and mocked the Jews. He spoke in the presence of his brothers and the wealthy men of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Are they going to restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the dusty rubble, even the burned ones? Is there verse 3? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was near him and he said, Even what they are building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break the stone wall down. Okay, what I take out of that, that rob us of our joy, is the shame and condemnation of the enemy. The enemy comes to ridicule. He comes to put shame on you and condemn you. That strikes at your identity. He tries to get you to think, I'm no good. I can't do. I'm not worthy. He, he lies to us in that way with shame and condemnation. You've got to stand against that. You've got to know who you are. You've got to confront the lie with the truth. Okay. So one of the things that rob us of our joy is shame and condemnation of the enemy, the ridicule of the enemy, those lies that come against us. Okay, let's read on. Nehemiah, we're going to read verses, same chapter 4, we're going to read verses 7 and 8 and 14 and 15. Now when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites, a lot of people, heard that the repair of the walls of, the Jeruz of Jerusalem went on, so their first... Their first strategy didn't work. But the walls of the, the repair went on and that the breaches began to be closed. They were very angry. All of them conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem to cause a disturbance in it. Now we're going to skip down to verse 14. When, when I, when Nehemiah, saw their fear, the fear of the people. Okay, so basically they, they, the, these bad guys were saying, we're coming to take up arms. We're going to fight you. We're going to kill you. Would that make you a little bit scared <laughs> if you were in the Jews in their place? When I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. <laughs> Isn't that good? He reminded them who, who God is and how big God is. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. When our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, then all of us returned to the wall, each one to his work. 
So here's another thing that robs us of joy, and that's fear. Satan likes to come with fear and anxiety. What, is, what did Paul say to uh, his protege, Timothy? God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's not given us, there's one version that says God has not given us a spirit of timidity. I don't think it's too far of a stretch to say intimidation. The enemy tries to intimidate, doesn't he? This is it for you. This is the end of the road. You're going to die and nobody cares. <laughs> he tries to intimidate us. But we can stand firm because God has given us a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Somebody once said, and I never have counted this up to verify this, but there's 365 fear knots in the Bible. One for every day of the year. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. If you have fear in your life, you can, you can automatically know that that's not from God. That's because that's not who He is. God's not up there in heaven drumming the arm of His throne with His fingers or with His fingernails in His mouth saying, Oh my, what's going to happen? I had no idea this was happening. He's not afraid, right? He's in control. Our God reigns. So fear is one tactic of the enemy. Here's another tactic of the enemy. We won't turn over there, but if we go to the next chapter in Nehemiah chapter 5, the whole chapter is Nehemiah... <coughs> excuse me. I turned my head away so I won't cough in the microphone, but the microphone is right there. I forget. Sorry, I don't want to hurt your ears. Nehemiah chapter 5 is the whole thing about... There, the, some people of substance, some people that are more well-to-do, exacting usury from their fellow Jews. Usury is exorbitant interest. It's taking advantage of a person's plight. And so there were certain Jews that were doing this to other Jews. And what they would do, they would say, okay, well, yeah, I'll give you, I see that you don't have any food to feed your children. Well, um, give me your daughter as a slave and I'll give you some food. Or um, let me, I'll, I'll give you some food, but I want to own that land right there that you have. So they were doing wrong things. They were, they were exacting, that's called usury. They were taking advantage of a person's uh, uh, misfortune, a place where they, uh, that was beyond their control. What I think that that's saying to us, what we can learn from that is as a people, it was like the, the people, were, one of the things that the enemy wants to do is set us against one another. If he can divide us, then he can conquer. That's also a place where we lose joy when we're at odds with one another. We don't want to create an atmosphere within this church or within the body of Christ at large of one of oppression and, and, and domineering. What we want to create an atmosphere is one of freedom and honor. There's joy when we release and bless one another. That, that, that brings up to my mind the whole thing of unforgiveness versus forgiveness. Unforgiveness is going to rob you of joy. When you release people through forgiveness, you're going to be at peace and joy in your heart. Remember, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's only going to kill you. 
It's going to, only going to eat away at you and your heart. So be a person of generous heart, of blessing and giving in all ways, in every way. All the way from your money that you have and the possessions that you have to your time. And so be a person that's generous and you give honor to everyone. Let's look at one other uh, scripture here regarding the, um, the things that, that rob us of our joy. Nehemiah, we're going to go on down to chapter 6. We're going to read verses 5 through 9. Then Sanballat sent his servant to me, another one of the, the bad guys, Sanballat, in the same manner a fifth time with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, this is what Sanballat wrote to Nehemiah. It is reported among the nations, and Gashmu, I don't know who he is, some guy, but he made the Bible, right? I mean, my name's not in the Bible. And Gashmu says that you and the Jews are planning to rebel, rebel against the king of Persia. Therefore, you are rebuilding the wall, and you are to be their king, according to these reports. You have also appointed prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you. A king is in Judah. And now it will be reported to the king of Persia according to these reports. In other words, I'm telling. This is what I'm going to tell the king of Persia. So come now, let us take counsel together. So then I sent, Nehemiah sent a message to Sanballat saying, Such things as you are saying have not been done, but you are inventing them in your own mind. For, for all of them were trying to frighten us thinking they will be dis uh, become discouraged with the work and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. The lies of the enemy that bring discouragement rob us of joy. Discouragement also is not from God. If you have discouragement in your heart, there's probably some place in, you, in, your, in your heart and in your mind that you're believing a lie. Everybody smile. Did you get that? If you are feeling discouraged, there's probably some place that you're believing a lie. We've got to uncover that. Find out what is that. Because God is a God of hope. And he, wants to live, he wants us to live in hope and in joy. Is this good? You guys stand with me. Can you stay with me a little bit longer? Now we're going to just run over a, ten different scriptures. And these are just a few sources of joy if you're not taking notes oh my you ought to be here we go here are some sources of joy We're, a lot of these are out of the Psalms Psalm 1611 let's look at this Psalm 1611 you will make known to me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy in your right hand there are pleasures forever Listen to that same verse out of the Passion Translation. You, you can just leave it, yeah, leave it up there. And it says, For you bring me a continual revelation of a resurrection life, the path that brings me to the overflowing joys of the exquisite and eternal pleasures of gazing upon your face. Guys, the main source of joy, obviously, is the presence of God. You know where it says here, you're in your presence is fullness of joy. There's no Hebrew word for the word presence. It's the word face. In your face is fullness of joy. 
We come before His face. We get to come before His face all because of the blood of Jesus and the grace of God that we've talked about here. Right? We get to come before the face of God. It's in the presence of God. It's in that, st- in that connectedness with the Holy Spirit that we have joy. Remember, we like to quote Romans, uh, is it Romans 14, 17? Um, the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. And of the three things that are listed, righteousness, peace, and joy, joy is a third of the kingdom. Okay? So it's, but it's in the Holy Spirit. So if we're not in the Holy Spirit, if we're not staying connected to His presence, we're not going to have the joy that He wants us to have, that He desires for us to have. We're going to look at, I'm going to talk about another, this, uh, this scripture in just a minute, but it says in Luke, I believe it's chapter 10, it says that Jesus rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit. Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. He stayed connected to the Holy Spirit and therefore had joy. All right, Psalm 45. Psalm 45, verse 7. Here's another source of joy. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy above his fellows. This is a messianic prophecy. This is about Jesus but it's about you as well. And what I take out of this is that if we love righteousness and hate wickedness, wickedness we're going to have joy. More specifically, passions that are properly placed. If our desires, if we, if we direct our affections and our passions towards Jesus and His kingdom, rather than any other thing, that we love righteousness and we hate wickedness, there's an anointing of joy that comes from that. Passions properly placed. For all you English majors, that's called alliteration. Passions properly placed bring an anointing of joy. Right? We direct our affections to Him. Here's another one, Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. What I get out of this as a source of joy is a sacrifice of praise. Shout joyfully. It's like that, that there's not, um, you know, like if you feel like it or if you, you hear what I'm saying? It's like do it. Come on and do it. And I just have this feeling that we may do that in a minute. Come before Him with joyful singing. So making that, what the Bible calls a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of worship to Him, is a source of joy. When we give a sacrifice of praise, I like what it says here, know that the Lord Himself is God. When we do that, we come into a knowing of who God is, that God is God. I think a lot of the source of us not having joy is because we lose sight of who He is. We belong to Him. We're, the, we're His people and the sheep of His pasture. 
Psalm 113, verse 9. He makes the barren woman abide in the house as a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. What I take from that is fruitfulness. God does not want us to be barren. He wants us to live a fruitful life. Fruitfulness brings joy. Barrenness brings sorrow. That's why Jesus said, ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. He's given us permission in prayer to pray and ask and he'll do it for us. You have not because you ask not. That's what James says. You ask, and sometimes we ask amiss that we'll get spent it on our own pleasures. God's not going to give us something that will, He's not going to give us a blessing that will destroy us, right? Maybe that's one reason, guys, why He's also scraping the foundation and reconfiguring the walls is so that we can get in a place where we can bear the blessing that He wants to pour out on the church in these days. That is a good word. So, he wants our joy to be made full. He wants us to be fruitful. Psalm 119, 111. Here's another source of joy. I have inherited your testimonies forever, for they are the joy of my heart. Can I just say what we can learn from this as a source of joy? Is that we meditate on what God is doing. We meditate and fill our mind with the goodness of the Lord. That's why... I love to, there's certain people that I, I mean, I love everyone, but there's some people that I like to hang around more than others because, you know why? Because they are, they're full of the testimony of the Lord. They're saying, this is what God told me. This is what I read in the Bible that just came alive to me. This is what, hey, I heard that God, you know, I heard that this man uh, that had his toes removed that that, that in, while the same doctor that removed his toes was holding his foot, the toes grew back after prayer. I, I mean, when I hear those kinds of things, it's like, yes, God's on the move. He's doing things. I, 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 I want to be around people that are full of faith and fire. I want to be around those people that are full of the joy of the Lord. I want to hear what God is doing. I don't want to be filled with discouragement. There's enough discouragement in the world. Psalm 126, verses 1 through 3. When the Lord, here's another source of joy, guys. When the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful shouting. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. There's joy when we remember where we used to be apart from God. He's restored our captivity. Don't you know that you were like one who was held captive? I was like one who was held captive. But God has taken us out. We were captive to, to, to sin and to Satan. But He's taken us out of the kingdom of darkness and He's brought us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. It says in Colossians. <clears throat> Sometimes I just need to remember that. Sometimes I forget all that He's done for me. But when I meditate on the cross and I remember what God has done for me, there's a joy that comes, like a gratitude and a thankfulness that comes. I can't believe that you would do that for me. And joy fills my heart. Here's another source of joy. Proverbs 15, 13. A joyful heart makes a cheerful face. But when the heart is sad, the spirit is broken. 
there are legitimate reasons for broken hearts. But there's also a legitimate God who brings legitimate healing to broken hearts. If you're here today and you, have, you feel like your heart is broken, I'm not making fun. All of us have experienced that. I'm not trying to minimize or trivialize what people go through. But what I am saying is that God is bigger than what you've been through. And He can heal your heart. He's a legitimate God with legitimate power. Guys, I've had to personally to seek out other people to say, would you pray for me? I've been through more than one inner healing prayer time so that I could find healing of legitimate wounds either from my growing up or things that have happened more recently. Because there is, it's available, but do you want it? A cheerful, a, a, a joyful heart, a whole heart is a source of joy. You can find healing. Those wounds can be healed. And you can have joy once again. Okay, I love this one. Here's another source. Wow, I'm going to just feel like I'm going as fast as I can. Here we go. Proverbs 15, 23. A man has joy in an apt answer. And how delightful is a timely word. Good news brings joy, right? But more specifically, a prophetic word brings joy. If you look back in the book of Ezra, the people had stopped uh, rebuilding the temple because they were discouraged. But it says in Ezra like 4 and 5, I forget which chapter it is exactly, but it says that the prophets, Haggai and some of the other prophets, rose up and they began to prophesy. And when they did, the people started building again. There's something about that prophetic word, that word from the Lord, that brings joy to our hearts. That causes us to keep going, not to, 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 not to quit, but to keep moving into all that God has for us. What did the angels say to the shepherds? I bring you good tidings that will bring joy. I bring you good news, glad tidings that will bring joy. So good news and a word from the Lord brings joy, a prophetic word. Two more sources of joy, Isaiah 56, 7. Even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable in my altar for my house. Be called a house of prayer for all the people. And I would say what we can learn from this is that we need to join our brothers and sisters in worship. We need to come to the house of the Lord and pray and worship and sing. That's a source of joy. And then this last one is this. Luke chapter 6, 22 and 23. This will probably really bless you. I'll send you out this week with this word. Blessed are you when men hate you and and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. So even suffering for righteousness sake, if we'd treat it right, can bring joy to our hearts.
Amen? Okay. We want to pray, and God wants to give you the joy that He has. But what kind of joy does God have? Zephaniah 3.17 gives us a window into the joy that God has. Look at this. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in His love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. That word rejoice, I looked it up in the original language, and it means this, to spin round under the influence of any strong emotion. Okay, so God spins around over you. You bring Him joy. Can you imagine God doing that? Does that... Is that in your grid of who God is? I hope it is. So the kind of joy that God has, I, I guess he does a little happy dance over you. <laughs> demonstrate. Okay, Sam wants me to demonstrate. He's probably like this. <laughs> right? Is that good? Okay, here, here's another thing about God. Jesus, in particular, remember when I said he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit? So this is what happened. This is the context of that verse. He sent the guys out, 70 out, to go into villages before, before him, ahead of him. And so he sends them out to the villages. They, they're healing people. They're casting out demons. They're doing all these incredible things. Then they come back to Jesus, and they tell him what happened. That's when it says he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit. That word rejoice means to jump for joy. So they're coming back. What I picture in my mind, they're coming back from their mission trip. And they're telling him everything that happened. And he's like, "Woo, yes. You know, there's like high fives. There's chest bumps. He's like, yes. The joy of the Lord. He rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit. And he said, I thank you, Father, that you... How, you know, you've revealed these things to, to the children. To the, to, you've revealed these things to people who didn't seem like they were worthy to be revealed. God, that's the joy that He possesses. And He wants to give that joy to you. Let's all stand up. This is what we're going to do. We're going to put this into practice. We're going to start with this. We're going to start with giving thanks. Okay? We enter His gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. So take a minute and I want you to think of at least one thing for which you can be thankful. Okay? So take just a minute. You may want to close your eyes or whatever it is. But it's between you and the Lord. You think of one thing that, that you can be thankful for. It could be several things. And then I want to challenge you. You don't have to do it really loud, but out loud, even in a whisper, begin to thank Him. Begin to thank Him. Do you want joy this morning? Do you need joy, guys? Guys, this, we're, what we're calling this, we're not faking it, but we're faithing it. This is faith. Begin to thank Him.
Father, we thank you. All right, I want us to try something else. We've done this through the years and the 10 years that we've been here. We've done this on occasion. And it's this. I want you to imagine that Jesus himself is standing here. And you know how when a famous person uh, walks into a room or, or if there is some performance by a famous person, how we, we give standing ovations, right, in our culture. It's... it's appropriate to give a standing ovation the bible also says clap your hands all you people and then it says shout unto god with a voice of triumph but what i want us to do we're not gonna we're not gonna shout just yet when i say shout we'll all shout but i want us just to give him some people call it a clap offering but to give like an ovation to jesus it's in the bible clap your hands all you people it's a form it is a, a way to give worship to God. It's through clapping. So I'm just going to say one, two, three, and we're going to give Jesus a standing ovation, okay? We're all standing anyway. We're going to give him a standing ovation, okay? One, two, three. Let's shout to the Lord. We love you, God. We bless your name. love you God we bless you we worship you spirit of God impart joy the strength of your joy the strength of your joy to every person right now in the name in the name the name the name the name of Jesus the name that's above every name the name that's above every name Jesus Jesus